Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the AMM Torah podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since we last put out a podcast, and I appreciate your support during this time, but we're back, and this week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisisa, so let's get started. Parsha's Kisisa is really a roller coaster of a Parsha, containing both spiritual highs and lows uh, for B'nai Israel. And among the events that I want to talk about uh, from this week's Parsha, um, I really want to focus on two. One high and one low. Uh, the high that I'd like to talk about is the opening Parsha, which discusses the Machtas HaShekel, the half shekel, which was used to count the members of the Bnei Israel. And these coins were subsequently used in the construction of the Mishkan, not, not the value. It's not that they used the coins to buy more material. The coins themselves were used in the construction of the Mishkan, making it that every Jew had a piece of themselves inside the Mishkan, inside the holiest place uh, in the desert, the holiest place in the world at the time, as it was the house for uh, Hashem's Shechina. And then, of course, on the other side, we have the spiritual low of the Egel Azov, the golden calf, one of the worst events in the history of the Jewish people, um, whose aftershocks we still feel nowadays. Chazal tell us that when Moshe went to Davin, uh, that Bnei Israel should be forgiven for the Maisa Egel. So Hashem forgave Bnei Israel to a point. Um, but what he did was, is that he took the punishment for the Egel Azov and he stretched it out over time. So that every time there's something bad that happens to the Bnei Israel, there's a piece of that bad which can be traced back to the original uh, sin of the Egel Azov. And in that sense, we still pay for it even nowadays. But I want to focus on these two episodes in the Parsha um, because I came across an interesting medrash this week that connects the two stories. What it says is that there's a word which both uh, stories share written in the Psukim, which is the key to both the triumph of the Israel by the Shkalim and their downfall by the Egel. So let's go through the Psukim. So by the Machzah Shekel, the Pasuk says like this. This is in Perak Lamed Pasuk Yud Gimel, uh, really right at the beginning of the Parsha. Uh, this is just the first half of the Pasuk. Uh, it says like this. Zayit knew, this shall they give, Kolo veral pukudim, everyone who passes through the census, Machatis HaShekel B'Shekel HaKodesh, a half shekel of the sacred shekel, the holy shekel. And then later on, in Perak Lamed Bey's uh, Pasuk Aleph, uh, by the Egel Azov, the Pasuk says like this. This is the second half of the Pasuk. Again, this is Lam Bey's Pasuk Aleph. When the nation has already seen that Moshe has delayed in coming down from Harsinai, and they want to do something about it. So they come over to Aaron. And the nation says to Aaron, Kum, rise up, make for us gods. That will go before us. For this man Moshe, who took us up from Eretz Mitzrayim, we do not know what has happened to him. So if you notice, what's the uh, one common word between these two psukim? It's the word ze, this. This word, ze, this, this word is responsible for both the rise and fall of Bnei Israel in both of these stories. Now, Zeh is a very common word. What's the meaning behind this? What, what significance does Zeh have? 
Servyafu Kamenetsky explains like this. Whenever the word ze is used in the Torah, it means that you have a complete and total understanding of what you're dealing with. So much so that if it's as if when you use the word ze, it's as if the thing that you're discussing is right in front of you. And you could just point at it and say, this, this is what I'm talking about. You know, some, you talk about something and you're trying to explain it and then it appears right in front of you and it's much easier for the person to understand what you're talking about. So when you wor- use the word ze, it's as if you are pointing to this idea as if it's physically right in front of you that you could look at it and totally and completely understand it. And perhaps the most famous example of this is by Kriyas Yamsuf, where in Az Yashir, the Bnei Yisrael say, Zekeli Vianvehu, this is my God. That what, that what that means over there is that the hand of Hashem was so visible, was so clear, that, that the splitting of the sea, all the miracles that happened when they were walking through the sea, everything that was happening, it was so clear that it was coming straight from Hashem that they could point with their finger at what was happening at the walls of water next to them and say, this, this is Hashem. This is coming. This is supernatural. This is not a natural occurrence. This could only happen through Hashem. So in that case, uh, it's obviously, it's a show of respect towards Hashem. Um, But as we're going to see, Zet can be used also as a lack of respect. And that's what happened by the Egel. Moshe Rabbeinu reached levels of Kedusha which no one before him had reached and no one has reached since. He was able to speak to Hashem, what we say, panim el panim, face to face. Now what does that mean exactly? And I'm sure we're going to discuss this a few times between now and uh, the end of Sefer Shmos and going into Bamidbar and Dvarim. When a person uh, received Nevuah, he normally would either see it uh, in a dream, uh, he would have a vision, he would not be fully conscious. And whenever he received the nevuah, his body would also shake, he would go into seizures, he would, he would have seizures because there was so much holiness going through him that his physical body could not handle it. But Moshe was not like that. He spoke to Hashem face to face. It was as if he was talking to a friend over a cup of coffee. He was awake, fully conscious, his body didn't shake, he was totally comfortable. He obviously treated it with uh, tremendous reverence, the fact that he was speaking to Hashem. But someone from the outside, it was Panam Panam, it, it was a friend, two friends sharing a cup of coffee together. There was nothing crazy about it, it was so normal for Moshe, it was, it was such a typical event. So Moshe speaking to Hashem in a manner that no human could physically survive, let alone be worthy of having such an experience. And the people come along and they say, yeah, Kizeh Moshe Haish, this man Moshe. We understand Moshe. Yeah, he's only been our leader for a few months, but we understand and we know what he means. We know what he's capable of. Zeh, Zeh Moshe Haish. We could point to Moshe. We could, we could, it's as if we're pointing to a physical object with a finger and saying, yeah, we totally understand what's going on here. Are you kidding me? You understand Moshe? You understand somebody who has the ability, who's on the level, that he could talk to Hashem like he was having a cup of coffee? That's totally ridiculous. But because that's what they believed, of course they felt that they could create a replacement for him. The ego was originally supposed to be a replacement for Moshe, someone to guide them through the desert. It wasn't supposed to be a, rep- uh, a false god. It wasn't supposed to replace the... Uh, 
the role of Hashem with the Bnei Israel, whether it got out of hand, that's a different story. But in terms of what their idea was when they created the Egel, it was to replace Moshe. But they felt that Moshe, we understand Moshe. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to replace him. He was a very special guy. But since we understand him, we know what it takes to put things together in order to get him back or in order to get somebody else back that's just like him. And of course, that, that wasn't true. And it wasn't even that they didn't appreciate necessarily what Moshe had done for them, but, but they felt that they understood him enough and who he was that he could be replaced, that we're able to replace him with what we have. We, have, we need the ingredients, but once we have the ingredients, we'll be fine without Moshe. And of course, this wasn't true. And their attitude towards Moshe was why they created this idol and ultimately became the reason behind their downfall at the Egel Azov. So that's the downside of the word zeh. But then we come back to Machzah Shakel, where it was used opposite. Rabbi Yaakov quotes the Ramban, that whenever a new ruler would take over a nation, he would have new coins minted in his honor. Since these coins would last past his reign after he was gone, having these coins would provide a lasting symbol of his rule even when he wasn't around. And says the Ramban, Moshe invented the shekel. There were no shekel coins. These were not the Egyptian coins, and the Jews obviously uh, did not have any money of their own after being slaves for 200 years. So Moshe came and he created the shekel as a symbol of his new leadership over Bnei Israel. But his leadership over Bnei Israel is not as a king, even though we see that Chazal do refer to him in many places as quote-unquote the king of Israel. But Moshe, in history, historically, Moshe is not considered a king. What was Moshe's leadership? Moshe brought the gift of the Torah, the authority of the Torah, to Bnei Israel. And when Hashem says, when he says, this is what they shall give, he's saying that Bnei Israel have that appreciation, have that understanding, and have that respect for the role that the Torah will have in their lives. And because of that, he can say zeh. They understand what the Machtzah will do. They understand what this means. This coin that represents the, the giving, the authority of the Torah over them, they completely and totally understand it. And after they give it, after they, after they give it over to the Mishkan, it becomes an actual part of the Mishkan. Their gift of the Shekel becomes a part of the Mishkan, that they are all part of it, and that stems totally from their understanding and their appreciation for what the Torah, what the Torah gives them for generations to come all the way down to us. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I want to, as every week, I want to remind you that you can email me at amemtorah at gmail.com, A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. There you can sign up uh, for the email newsletter, which contains the written version of this Dvar Torah, as well as the MP3 download of this podcast. You can also ask me questions, send me comments, anything else you'd like to tell me. Please check out the blog itself, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, where you can find not only this week's Dvar Torah, not only last week's Dvar Torah, but the past seven years of Divrei Torah since Amem Torah began. Uh, please download this podcast from iTunes. You can either search my name, Yosef Siegel, or the Amen Torah podcast. Or you can visit my website, hashkafahandbook.com, where the 
podcast is hosted, and you can download it from there. And while you're there, please check out my book, Reality Check. Please check out the second blog from Amen Torah, Nation's Wisdom. Check that out so you can take part in the Nation's Wisdom project. And of course, check out our social media pages. We're on Twitter, Twitter handle at Amen Torah, A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Amen Torah. Thank you again very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great Shabbos.